Well, good. Good morning again, New Breed. It is good uh, to be back with you. Hopefully you have your, your Bibles there with you and they are open to Psalms chapter 46. I have to get myself there. Psalms chapter 46. And it is, uh, it is good to be back with you. Uh, it's good to open God's Word again with you. As uh, many of you may have noticed, even from that simple request to uh, open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 46, that we are, uh, we are again uh, stepping out of the book of Habakkuk for just a moment. Uh, we're going to we will come back to it. We will finish that book, uh, but we we just want to step out for for this week and 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 not sure what what the Lord's gonna gonna do in the next couple of weeks. Now I know that last week uh, I told you uh, that we were going to continue on in the series. Uh, last week we talked about this idea of when God acts and we don't understand, and that message was was fitting for for where we are. Uh, and what we are going through. And I, I believe that the Lord wanted me to, to preach that message. But as I worked on the next message in that series, uh, and I read some commentaries, and I tried to, to map it out, uh, tried to figure out how to teach it in such a way that it was honest to the text, yet communicated hope clearly in this trying time, uh, to be quite frank, the Holy Spirit gave me nothing. Uh, the Holy Spirit gave me Nothing, And I, I couldn't shake this idea that continuing on in Habakkuk this week would, would not be the greatest way to serve you uh, with the word right now. That, now, that doesn't mean that Habakkuk's not effective. It doesn't mean that it's not uh, as powerful, as meaningful. That is not true. It is still the word of God. But we cannot overlook the reality that we are in a very unique situation. Uh, and as, as I have had conversations with many of you from Newbreed this week, um, there is a real sense in which there is, a, there is still some genuine concern. Um, there's some fear and there's some confusion. And I am, I am convinced that part of the responsibility of a shepherd is to know when to slow down on a particular journey, uh, to spend some time caring for the immediate needs of the sheep. Uh, we, we are going to get to the end of the book of Habakkuk, and we believe that that's where the Lord's leading us, and we want to work through that, uh, and that's the journey that we're on in terms of our, our, our preaching right now, but just believe that during this season, in this journey, it's good to slow down, to bandage some wounds, to, to care for the sheep, and to make sure that we're ready to continue. And, and so last week when I made that statement that we're going to continue on, I genuinely believe that that is what the Lord wanted. I just think I missed the fact that what He wanted uh, was for me to continue on last week, uh, but this week we're going to shift gears uh, a little bit, and I want to remind you this morning, in the midst of the current struggle that we are in, that God is our refuge in times of trouble, that God is our refuge in times of trouble. And so I'm going to read this text with you, Psalm chapter 46, and then I want to spend our time together this morning just walking through it uh, and savoring the beauty of it and the hope that is recorded here. I don't have necessarily any points to this sermon. I just want to walk through this text with you because it is a beautiful picture, a beautiful description, a beautiful declaration of the fact that God is our refuge in times of trouble. So Psalm Chapter 46, beginning in verse 1, the psalmist writes, God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, 
we will not be afraid. Though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with its turmoil, there is a river and its streams delight the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is within her and she will not be toppled. God will help her when the morning dawns. Nations rage, kingdoms topple, the earth melts when He lifts His voice. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come, see the works of the Lord, who brings devastation on the earth. He makes wars cease throughout the earth. He shatters bows and cuts spears to pieces. He sets wagons ablaze. Stop your fighting and know that I am God. Exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we, God, as we just explore this psalm, I pray that our hearts would just be refreshed by the truth that you are present in times of trouble, that you are our refuge and that you are our strength and that we would cherish the fact that the Lord of armies is with us. So give us grace to hear in Jesus name. Amen. Well, we are we are still in this season of adjusting to what is for at least a little while uh, our new normal. Um, We are in the situation that we are in because if we are honest, there is chaos all around us. We are in the midst of a a pandemic that has not been seen in our lifetime. There is concern, there's questions, uh, there's slow responses as people are even trying to figure out what is the best way to do. And we have, as you are keenly aware, been asked to kind of stay to ourselves and to be be isolated, to kind of keep what is being called this reality of social distancing, uh, where we're kind of even spread out from one another. Even when I set up the chairs here for those that were leading worship, I put them about six feet apart. Now they moved them closer together, so it's on them at this point, but we're trying to maintain what is, what is this somewhat of a, a new normal. And in the midst of this pandemic, we are facing the reality of people who are getting sick, of people who are dying, and we are facing this with a sense of uncertainty as to what lies ahead. And we are Unfortunately, by all accounts, not near the end. Just recently, the top U.S. health official, he recently said that the worst is still yet to come. And on top of all of that, in the midst of that, life has not stopped for us. We are still facing the daily challenges of living in a fallen world. We are still feeling the pain of loss. We're still feeling struggle. We're still feeling heartache. We still have bills to pay. We still have things that, that, that raise questions for us. And all of this combined can start to add up. And if we are honest, it can easily start to overwhelm us. But the beautiful thing about our God as we just read in Psalm 46, is that our God is a refuge in times of trouble. 
You know, the psalm is bookended by these two amazing statements there in verse 1, that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And then in verse 11, that the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And everything in between these two verses remind us that no matter what happens in the world, no matter what is going on around us, no matter what uncertainty lies ahead, we are safe in the hands of our great God. We are safe in the hands of our great God. Look with me again there at verse 1 of Psalm 46 where it says that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So first, God is our refuge and our strength. Consider for just a moment what that is actually saying. First, it says that God is our refuge, meaning that he is our safety. He is the one who will protect us. He is the one who will guard us, and he is the one who will allow certain calamities to befall us for our good. But, but you see, we can't miss this. What this word safety does not mean, what it does not mean is that there will never be anything bad that happens to us. It's not saying that because God is our refuge, we will not experience pain. It's not saying that we will not experience loss. And it's not saying that we can't get sick and physically die. That's not what it's talking about when it's talking about the fact that God is our safety. But what it is saying is that no matter what happens, our souls are safe in the hands of God. If we are in Christ and God is our God, then nothing will separate us from Him. And that means that we are safe. Paul says, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are safe in the hands of God. And again, this is if God is for us. And I want you to know that God is for His children. But notice second that it says that not only is God our refuge, but God is our strength. You you know what that means? It means that in in the midst of trouble, you don't have to be strong all by yourself. In the midst of what we are going, uh, is what is going on right now and what we are going through as a world, we don't have to be strong all by ourselves because God provides and is our ability to overcome. God provides and is our ability to overcome. And when we are trusting in the Lord and clinging to Him in the midst of our trouble, God, through His supernatural ability, will provide and be our ability to overcome. I don't know about you, but that is such a relief to me. Because that reminds me that when I am in the midst of trouble, Even now, in the midst of this global pandemic, I don't know, I don't have to know what to do to overcome it. I I don't have to be strong and rely on my own strength. Because God knows what what it will take to overcome this. And God is strong all by himself. And he is my strength. And I just want to tell you, church, it is okay to be weak. It is okay to be weak. That does not mean that you are somehow less than a Christian. I think that that we can get trapped in this mindset of thinking that if we are struggling with real pain that is before us and real hardship and real loss and real 
difficult circumstances, and if we are weak in those moments, it somehow means that we are less of a Christian, that if we acknowledge that weakness and acknowledge that pain, that it means that we are somehow less of a Christian. But, but what I want to tell you this morning is that when we are weak, that's when God is at his best. That's when he is strongest. Paul says it. He says that he had prayed for God to remove this thorn from his flesh, and he had prayed for it three times, and yet God did not remove the pain from him. He did not remove the thorn. And he said that that's okay because what he is learning and what he is believing is that God's strength is made perfect in weakness. That God's strength is made perfect in weakness. In church, it is okay to be weak as long as you are relying on the one who will be strong. But notice what comes next in the verse. And I, and, and I love this. It says, God is our refuge and strength. And then it says, a helper who is always found. In times of trouble, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. And church, this stands in the face of the lie that Satan throws at us so often that when things are going wrong, God is absent. That when things aren't working the way that we want them to work, they're not panning out how we thought that they should pan out, that when that's going on, that God is absent. No, he is our helper who is always found in times of trouble. And you see, listen, the right question to ask is not if God is near in times of trouble. The right question to ask is how does he want to help us in times of trouble? Because so many of us miss God in the midst of trouble because we are only looking for him to do what we want. In the midst of sickness, we want God to give healing, but maybe his help comes through endurance. In the midst of loss, we want God to give it back, but maybe his help comes in comfort. In the midst of chaos, we want God to bring order, but maybe his help comes through peace in the midst of the storm. And in the midst of trial, we want God to bring relief, but maybe his help comes through steadfastness. God is always in the midst of trouble, but we can miss him when we try to tell him what we want when he is providing what we need for our good. But what this psalm declares to us, and make no mistake about it, that God is always found in times of trouble. He is always found in times of trouble. God is near. And church, we could stop there and just, just pause at the beauty of that one verse of Scripture. That God is our refuge, he is our safety, he is our security, he is holding us in his hands, and he is our strength. That when we are weak, when we can't be strong, he is strong for us, and he is a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Praise God. And when we believe that, church, it produces something in us. It produces a godly fearlessness. A godly fearlessness. Look at verses 2 and 3 where it says, Therefore, so in light of the fact that God is our refuge and our strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble, in light of that, therefore, we will not be afraid. And he goes on, he says, Though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the sea, though its water roars and foams and the mountains quake with its turmoil, we will not be afraid. Because we have nothing to fear. Because God is for us. I mean, think about this for a minute. 
the worst that this world can do to us is send us to our hope faster. The worst that this world can do to us is send us to our hope faster. And our hope, church, is not in good health. It is not in a lack of persecution or hardship. Our hope is not in financial stability. And our hope is not the American dream. Our hope is not in this world. Our hope is that when all is said and done, we will dwell with God for all eternity in His holy dwelling. Let me say that again, that our hope is that when all is said and done, we will dwell with God for all eternity in His holy dwelling. Now I want to point something out. I don't believe the psalmist is saying that he will not be afraid if the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the sea and if its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with its turmoil. He is saying that he will not be afraid when the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the sea and when its water roars and foams and the mountains quake with its turmoil because this world is not eternal. It will not last forever. So praise God that our hope is not in this world, but we seek the kingdom that is to come. As it says in Hebrews 13, 14, for here we have no lasting city. But we seek the city that is to come. This reminds us that as we live and navigate in this uncertain world, in uncertain times, we do so with eyes fixed on home. And it is not here. We walk by faith with eyes fixed on home. But then we see something incredible. The psalmist tells us what this city is like. And where our hope is found. Look at verses 4 through 7. He records, There is a river, and its streams delight the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is within her. She will not be toppled. God will help her when the morning dawns. Nations rage. Kingdoms topple. The earth melts when he lifts his voice. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Here, the psalmist reveals to us the place where our hope is found. It is not in this world. It is in the city of God. And look at what it says there at the beginning of verse 4. It says, there is a river. And its streams delight the city of God. So what is this river? What are these streams that delight the city of God? It is the grace of God. God's grace flows into the city and brings delight to the city and all who dwell there. I love how Charles Spurgeon describes it when he says that divine grace, like a smoothly flowing, fertilizing, full and never failing river, yields refreshment and consolation to believers church the river that flows to and from the city of god is the grace of god and it is a delight to the city and i want you to know this that for those of us who are in christ we have already tasted that river and it is not only something that we look forward to in heaven but that same stream of grace serves us here and now in our trouble while we wait for that city because god's grace endures us saint augustine wrote in his book the city of god 
what grace is meant to do is to help good people not to escape their suffering, but to bear them with a stout heart, with a fortitude that finds its strength in faith. The grace of God is not only something that we look forward to as the stream that delights the city of God, but God's grace is the thing that we depend on every moment of every day, not only for our salvation, but also for our endurance as we walk through this world with trials and tribulations and snares at every turn. The grace of God is what endures us through it all. If you think that you are overcoming your trials and your struggles and your persecutions because you are that strong, you are mistaken. If there is anything in you that allows you to overcome, it is the grace of God working in you. But I want you to notice this, and this is the most beautiful thing about the city. It's not even the stream and the river. Look at the beginning of verse 5 where it says, God is within her. That's the most beautiful part of the city, that God is within her. You see, our hope and our home is with God in his holy city. This is a city where there is no more death, there is no more pain, there is no more tears, there is no more loss, there is no more sin because God is there. And he cannot be in the presence of those things. But best of all, this city is eternal. It will not fall, it will not topple. Look at what the psalmist says next. She, and that's the city of God, will not be toppled. And here's why. Because God will help her when the morning dawns. And so to help us understand this city even more, I think what the psalmist is doing here is he is is comparing the city of God to the cities of the world. Look at what it says immediately after that, that nations rage and kingdoms topple. And the earth melts when he lifts his voice, right? And then you can even go back into verse 2 where it says, Therefore we will not be afraid, though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with its turmoil, right? So the psalmist is comparing the city of God that is eternal and everlasting, where grace is its delight and it will not be toppled because God is there. And he's comparing it to these fleeting nations and kingdoms of this present age. But there are a couple things going on here. First, I think that God wants us to see that his city is not like the cities of this world. See, here in this world, nations do rage and kingdoms do fall. And in this world, the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the sea. Waters roar and foam and mountains quake because this world is passing away. And what is going on now in our world should not surprise us if we believe that this world is passing away because there have been, there has been declarations throughout Scripture that this world will get worse as it withers and dies. Second Timothy 3 reminds us it says but understand this that in the last days there will come times of great difficulty for people will be lovers of self lovers of money proud arrogant abusive disobedient to their parents ungrateful unholy heartless unappeasable slanderous without self-control brutal not loving good treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. We also hear in Matthew 24 where where Jesus says you are going to hear of, of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed because these things must take place but the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. We know in Scripture that that this world is dying and there are death pains. 
And we feel those as we live in this finite world. But God's eternal dwelling, where our hope is found, where our eyes are fixed, God's eternal dwelling, she will not be toppled. Because God will help her. And God is reminding us of what we have in store. And he is reminding us in this psalm of where our hope is found. And it is not like anything we know in this world. There is trouble here. There is not there. There is death here. There is eternal life there. There is sickness here. There is perfect health there. There is sin here. But sin will be no more there. But you see, not only does God want us to know and to see that his city is not like the cities of this world, but second, God wants us to see that he is king of all of it. Notice what it says there at the end of verse 6, that the earth melts when he lifts his voice. The, the earth melts when he, and that's God, lifts his voice. You see, see the, the, the plagues of this world and, and the death of this world and, and the end of this world is not happening by natural circumstances. It's not happening on its own. It's because God is speaking and this earth is withering, but as it withers, his kingdom is all the more drawing near. See, God is reminding us that even here, there is nothing that happens without his working or allowance. God is sovereign over it all. Even the toppling of kingdoms and the raging of nations. God is sovereign over the earth that trembles and the mountains that fall. He is sovereign over the waters that foam and roar. God is sovereign. God is sovereign over every trial, over every hardship, over every dire circumstance. He is sovereign over every pandemic and global catastrophe. God speaks and things happen. He is sovereign over it all. And let me tell you something, church, the fact that God is sovereign over it all, that should be a comfort to us. You see, God's sovereignty is not just some theological concept that we argue about and discuss in classrooms. The sovereignty of God, the fact that he is in control over everything, he speaks and allows everything to happen, that happens, that is a practical help for us. It is an encouragement to us because it means that that he who is our helper is also the one who is in control of it all. He is not stepping into our trouble trying to figure out what to do. He steps in already knowing and allowing everything that is. He is sovereign over it all. That is good news for us because I don't know about you, but I would love for my helper in times of trouble to know and be in charge of everything that happens. And that is who our God is. That means that he is able to do anything. He is able to do far and abundant and exceedingly more than anything you could think or imagine. This is the God who is with us in our trouble. And you know, church, I'm convinced that the psalmist could have stopped there. He could have stopped at verse 6. It still would have had that same bookend that the Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. He could have stopped there and would have already given us a hopeful declaration of God as our refuge and strength in times of trouble. But under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God wanted us to know more. God wanted the psalmist to write more. You see, God wanted all of us who would read this text to know not only who God is, but that he has a track record. That God has a track record. Look at verses 8 through 9 where he says, Come and see the works of the Lord. 
who brings devastation on the earth. He makes war cease throughout the earth. He shatters bows and cuts spears to pieces. He sets wagons ablaze. Listen to me, church. The psalmist is recounting that he has seen God work before. He has seen God devastate oppressors. He has seen God in wars and set captives free. He knows how God has already delivered his people from slavery in Egypt to freedom in the promised land. He has seen God save Joseph from the evil plans of his brothers and use what was meant for evil for good. He knows that this is the God who delivered Jericho into the hands of Joshua with a trumpet sound. This is the God who showed up in fire when Elijah stood among the false prophets of his day. He has seen God deliver the giant into the hands of a shepherd boy. This is the God that preserved the life of a righteous man, Noah, in a time of global destruction. He has already showed his power to save from death as he passed over the houses of his people because of the sacrificial blood of a lamb. The psalmist is declaring that this God that we serve has a track record and we can trust him. We can trust this God. He has been ever present in every time of trouble and shown himself to be faithful. This is the God that is on our side. And even more, this verse is not only reflective, but it is also prophetic in nature because it recalls to mind what God has done, but it also calls the reader to consider what God would do. When God would deliver the final blow and God would deliver humanity from its greatest trouble of sin and death. And church, we know when that was. Because while the psalmist was, was prophesying and looking forward to the day when God would, would, would solve our greatest need. We look back and know that 2,000 years ago on a hill called Calvary, God dealt a death blow to sin and death, and he conquered the worst the enemy had, and we won the victory through him. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? Because the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In the midst of our greatest trouble, God was our greatest help and deliverance. And he will continue to be that in every smaller trouble we face until we see his face. Our God has a track record, church. And if for a moment you doubt that he can do the impossible, pick this up and read it. And see our God's track record. See him deliver the final blow to Satan. And believe that everything else pales in comparison. So as we begin to even draw this to a conclusion, the question that we are left with is, what is our response to all of this? What is our response? And we see the answer to that in verses 10 and 11. Where the psalmist records, stop fighting. Some translations beautifully record, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth. The Lord of armies is with us. And the God of Jacob is our stronghold. You see, during this season of trouble, And in every season of trouble that will come until we dwell in his holy city. We have to stop fighting. 
And we have to be still and remind ourselves that God is on his throne. His name is great and will be great among the nations. He will be exalted on the earth and he is worthy of our exaltation even in times of trouble. Now, church, I want to stop and acknowledge for a second that that is a beautiful piece of Scripture to be still and know that He is God. But if we are honest, that is hard for us to do. That is hard for us to do. Because we are people conditioned to think that we have to overcome on our own. We, we are people who, who are conditioned to think that we have to be strong that we have to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We have to make ends meet. We have to do it all. And in our generation, the very notion of being still is hard for so many. I mean, let, let me give you an example. L look at the response to this pandemic that we are in right now. I'm not, I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes, but, but let's look at the response to this pandemic. When the news came that this was coming, when the potential for, for quarantines and shutdowns and, and, and non-essential businesses closing, when, when all of that was heard and when it started uh, to, to, to kind of, even when it was just a murmur in people's minds, look at what people did. They raced out to the stores. They bought up more than they needed, more than they'll need. They were scared. They were fearful. Some of y'all right now are sitting in rooms stocked full of toilet paper. But, but here's the question that I have for you, and it's an honest question. When all of this started happening and this pandemic and the sickness and the death and the news started flooding in, which seemed somewhat overwhelming, were you more satisfied when you got what you needed from the store than with the truth that God is still on his throne? Was your first thought that I need to do all of these things to get myself ready? I need to be my refuge. I need to be my strength. Or in the midst of a global crisis, was your first thought to just be still and know that our God is still on his throne? And I think some of us, if we are honest, even this morning, would still say we have more hope in our stock supply than we do in the fact that God is on his throne. We are a people that distract ourselves. We often keep ourselves busy and we try to overcome on our own. But there is beauty in the simplicity of being still and reflecting on the fact that God is God. And the amazing thing is that as we do that, we experience the Lord as our helper. And what is even more amazing is that when we are still, and reflect on who God is when we stop fighting on our own to, to accomplish everything and we spend some time reflecting on who God is, we are reminded that God is our refuge and strength. And He is the Lord of armies who is with us, the God of Jacob who is our stronghold. And there's no secret formula to this church. Some of you might now, because you know we're going to have a, a Q&A time, are already getting ready to type. And you can type it, I'll answer it again. But, but how, do I, how do I grow in being still and knowing that He is God? And my answer is that this isn't a magic formula. You be still. 
And you know that he is God. You, you turn your phone off. You turn the TV off. You don't talk with people around you. You don't distract yourself with dishes and cleaning and the kids. And you get away and you, you get alone and you be silent and you reflect on the fact that God is on his throne. And church, many of you have done this and can testify like I have that there is a peace of God that flows over you when you can just be still and know that he is still on his throne. Nothing in your life has shaken him. Nothing in your life has him worried because he is the sovereign God of all creation, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies who is with us, this God of Jacob who is our stronghold. He is our refuge and strength and an ever-present, always-to-be-found help in times of trouble. And church, this is who the Lord is to those of us who are in Christ. He is our refuge. He is our strength. He is our safety and security in times of trouble. But I have to say this, and faithfulness demands it of me, that this is not a promise that is true for everyone. Because apart from Christ, God is not those things to you. He is not those things to you. His promise to be a refuge, his promise to be your strength, his promise to be your stronghold, those are not your promises apart from Christ, but they can be in Christ. Because you see, your sin separates you from God, and oftentimes we minimize the reality of that statement. Your sin makes it so that God cannot be for you. He cannot be with you. Ezekiel recounts the word of God to Jerusalem because of their sins, and he says, this is what the Lord says. I am against you. And some of us don't like to think or can't fathom that this God would be against us, because for some of us, we have a false sense of God that he's only this giant teddy bear in the sky. But our God is love, and he is grace, and he is mercy, and he is refuge and strength and help in times of trouble. But this is also the Lion of Judah, the God who judges and who must punish sin because he is holy and I need you to know that apart from Christ your sin separates you from God and and this God is not for you but again he can be in Christ because what God did though we were separated from him by our sin and though he was against us in terms of these promises and these blessings there was there was one promise that he made he swore an oath to himself that he would fulfill And what God did was he sent Jesus, his son, to come and live on this earth, to live the perfect life of obedience that we should have lived, to live without sin. So Jesus was not separated from God. He did not deserve to be punished. He did not deserve deserve the judgment and the wrath of a holy God. And yet, though he was perfect, he willingly gave up his life to save us. And Jesus Christ went to the cross and he died in our place and God poured out his anger and his judgment and his holiness was vindicated in that moment and he poured it all out on Christ. And Christ bore our punishment on himself. Think about that. He took what we deserved on himself. And he was crucified and he was killed. And he was buried and put in a grave and three days later, 
God raised him from the dead. And that was the declaration to the world that this sacrifice of Jesus had been accepted, that there was now a way to be made right with God. There was a way for us to be with God and God to be for us because of what Christ has done. And God invites anyone to come back into fellowship with him by believing and trusting in what Christ has done on the cross and by repenting of your sins, by by agreeing with God and turning from your sins and running after him and when we trust in Jesus and when our relationship with God is restored, he becomes our father and he is for us and not against us. And so if you are listening wherever you are and you have not trusted in Jesus and you want to, we or any of the pastors at Newbreed would love to talk with you about that and you can reach out to us via our website. But, but we want you to know that salvation is still extended to you here today. But for those of you who are, who are watching, who have placed your faith in Christ, who have trusted in his finished work on the cross and are adopted into the family of God, let me leave you with this simple reminder that God is for you and not against you. That God is your refuge and strength. He is your helper who is present, who is always found in times of trouble. And therefore, we will not be afraid. Though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the seas, though its water roars and foams and the mountains quake with its turmoil, because there is a river and its streams delight the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. And God is within her. She will not be toppled. God will help her when the morning dawns. Nations rage, kingdoms topple, the earth melts when he lifts his voice. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come, see the works of the Lord who brings devastation on the earth. He makes wars cease throughout the earth. He shatters bows and cuts spears to pieces. He sets wagons ablaze. Stop your fighting. Be still and know that I am God. Exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth, the Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold.